There's my Instagram notification. Ah, uh, yes, I'm getting all the notifications that we're going live right now. Yep, all right. right. Excellent. Are we live completely? All the notifications that we're going live right now. Oh, now we are. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, back from this. A bit of a lag. Well, no, um, that was that was me clicking into the live on Facebook so that I can see comments on. <laughs> all right. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We have an extra person today, the lovely Lori. Hello, ladies. Join us in our discussion today. And as Megan uh, brings us on into the subject matter and everything, I'm going to um, light some frankincense, myrrh, and sage for everyone to uh, cleanse our space as we talk about some heavy topics. Megan, why don't you just take over? All righty. Yep. So my mama is joining us today. <laughs> Hello. Um, and today we are talking about um, domestic abuse and it is a really heavy topic, but um, it's something that we feel really strongly about. It, it's something that needs to be talked more about and the message needs to get out there because there's so many people that are struggling with this. Um, we're going to be talking, we're going to be running longer than usual today. Usually we try and keep it at about an hour, but um, we're shooting for an, an hour and a half today. That's our goal. If we go a little longer, then, then we go a little longer because we've got a lot of information that we're going to be throwing at you, but it's all really important information. Um, and, and yeah, this is a hard topic. This is a heavy topic. We're talking about one of the periods of time in our lives that were the most fear filled that we were the most vulnerable in and 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 that's hard um and uh for legal purposes, when we're talking about our abusers, we're going to be using uh, code names and to, to lighten things up, <laughs> to lighten things up a little bit. Hey, Jen, welcome in. Um, to lighten Hi, Jen. A bit, we, uh, Hi, Jen. We, went with, uh, we went with geeky code names. <laughs> well, because we're nerdy, but also oh, I yeah. have to have my little witchy flair. So, of course, my ex is going to be Voldemort. Come on. <laughs> Mine has, mine has been dubbed Sauron because I am a Tolkien fangirl. I was looking for a word there. Fangirl word. Tolkien fangirl. <laughs> My dog just ran across the street barking and I can't do a thing about it. <laughs> He's going to have to survive. Survival of the fittest, little one. Oh, puppy. Anyway. What, so so what's, your, what's your code word, Mom? Um, I, Captain Hook. Oh, we're taking the Disney route. Okay. He is a Disney bat. He is a Disney baddie. Okay. So, um, um, we we forgot to ask each other what we're drinking this oh, morning. True. Rituals are important. They I are. have my uh, I have my coffee this morning. I have <laughs> coffee. <laughs> What are you drinking? I have my uh, mug with my coffee in it. My honey uh, just got me a new coffee maker because I had been saying I hate Keurigs. 
so he got me this big 10 pot coffee maker because i i need my caffeine i'm Um, actually drinking lemon ginger tea excellent oh look at Lori; she's being all healthy and we're just like caffeine And also, I wanted to introduce a new part of Tea Talk Tuesdays in the mornings. Um, As I lead you through the hug that we do for ourselves, I want to introduce you to some crystals uh, that pop out at me as we go on screen, because I usually do that for my clients every time I do a reading. Um, Different crystals speak to me. And talk to me and say they need to come out for some different energies that we need to experience. Um, This ring right here is malachite. I don't know if you can see the rings in it. It's like a Um, pretty green color. Yeah, it's definitely a heart chakra um, stone, but it's also, it aligns us to our truths. It's really excellent for that, but sometimes it can be a little too much for people. So when that happens, you break out the moonstone. And so these two together align you to your truth in a gentle manner. I love I moonstone. Also, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> me too. I, I Well, Malachite's my favorite favorite, but yes. <laughs> and then um, an angel amethyst or celestial amethyst. These actually help you heal in higher dimensions so maybe some uh traumas that we have in our core at our soul level that uh, we're experiencing as we talk about these heavy heavy subjects this crystal Mm -hmm. is here for us during that time and this morning i um, wanted to share that i was in the car and i had just dropped a kid off at school and um I was crying because I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And anytime I have a moment where I feel like I can't do something, my practice is I I give it to God or I give it to source or I give it out somewhere to be handled for me because I don't, it's not mine. And that's what I say. I say, this isn't mine. I can't, I don't want to do this Mm -hmm. and I give it up and there's some grace in giving it up to God and just let it, it be. I, I say I have a more thought day. I'm in love with my fate. You know, I'm, I'm embracing it. And as that happened, a little white feather drifted across my windshield into my window and on my lap. Like, Hey, the angels are watching you. You're okay. You're safe. You're divinely uh, uh, protected. And so I hope that's what you all feel as we talk about these heavy subjects today. Um, And so I'd like you all to take a deep breath with me and hug yourself. Just wrap your arms around yourself and maybe take another deep breath while your arms are around yourself. Just feel that nice embrace drop into your body Mm. and know that you are held and loved so much beyond your comprehension all right and then let's get to it guys all right so domestic abuse um 
and, and a lot of the information that um, I've pulled for today is is um, from the thehotline.org, which is a domestic abuse website that has so many resources. If you have time, go check it out. They've got a lot of great stuff on there, a lot of good information. Um, they've, they've got links to, to, to local um, shelters and programs that, that can help domestic abuse victims. It's, it's just, it's phenomenal. But um, so the, de the definition of domestic abuse is a pattern of behaviors used to gain or maintain um, power and control. Like that's really the, the key over it is that the, the abuser wants power and control over the other person. That is how they meet their needs. And it, it's highly harmful. It's highly toxic behavior. Um, when we're talking about um, behaviors that you see within domestic abuse, there's there's um, there's what's called um, the power and control wheel, and it was developed by the um, Domestic Abuse Intervention Project in Duluth, Minnesota, and and what it is is it's it's a visual and it lists all the different categories of domestically abusive behaviors and what they look like and there's 10 um there's 10 total behaviors that we're going to be talking about over the course of the next several episodes because this is going to be um at, at least i have three parts planned but uh if you caught my my video that i threw up on TikTok this morning then you saw that i i had a ping light bulb moment and and might want to add a little more to it um but it's um we're going to be going over um three of the abuse attack tactic <laughs> Sorry, Woo. we're going to be going over three of the abuse tactics um, that are outlined in this wheel that, vic that that abusers use to keep their victims in the relationship, because it is a myth that you can just get up and walk away. In fact, typically leaving the relationship is the most dangerous part of the entire relationship, and it has to be planned very carefully according to what's going on and according to how far the abuse has progressed, because it does progress it starts small and then it builds and it builds in intensity and it and and grows in severity and so that's the way that we're going to kind of go over it through these next few episodes is we're going to start with you know the things that typically come first and then those build into other behaviors and it you know it it really just builds and gets to a point where you feel so out of control and so threatened mm -hmm. that leaving feels more dangerous than staying. Yes. Um, and I yes. also want to point out that um, a lot of these behaviors, they you see them in adult and teen um, relationships, and you also have men and women that are the abusers and the aggressors. It is not just men, it is, it is women too, and the patterns are the same. Um, I'd also like to note that there's also a, another, a third situation where the victim starts to abuse back 
and that doesn't make them the perpetrator or the abuser. But mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of victims who will use the excuse of, well, I do it back to them. Well, that that doesn't justify. It doesn't. Anything. It's a trauma reaction, but it but it doesn't it doesn't justify. There there really is no justification for intentionally harming another person. That is that is not the way we are built. That is not the way we are supposed to live our lives. Um, so all right, let's dive right into it. So the first area of power and control <coughs> is isolation and possessiveness. And this typically starts right away. I know that isolation was one of the first things that I remember experiencing. Um, so abusers using tactics of isolation and possessiveness will use jealousy as a sign of love. Um, mm -hmm. Not let their partner have friends or family over or they won't mm -hmm. want to visit their partner's family. Um, mm -hmm. They'll use jealousy to justify their actions like, well, I was so jealous that I that I did this because I, I was afraid you weren't going to love me anymore. Or I was afraid you were going to leave me. Mm -hmm. um, they will limit the outside involvement of friends and family. And this really that what, what's going to happen is there's there's going to be conflict that arises between, you know, your close friends and family and your partner, mm -hmm. and they're gonna put you in a position to choose them over your support system because, you know, this is the first- Absolutely. Um, um, for me though, it was it was slower. Like it wasn't right off the it, bat. No, it, mm -hmm. and it, it, it comes incrementally. Like it's very, it, it's very purposeful. It's very planned. It's very, it's very manipulative. Um, they're gonna intentionally sabotage your support system because without your support system there is no way out and your family and friends are going to start falling away because they can't tolerate your partner's behaviors and they're not understanding why you're defending them hold on mom let me get through the list and then we'll go into experiences um they're going to point i, I was just going to say that there is that honeymoon wonderful yes. The, the that is that is where you fall that's where they win you over that yeah there is um and i do i do have that in in my that's notes really there first. absolutely is when you first meet them they're the most wonderful person the perfect partner it's, it's like a dream come true um and um they're going to point out sources of pain in your in your relationships oh well this person didn't show up for you uh, they didn't they don't call you anymore they obviously don't care about you anymore um they didn't give you a gift for your birthday but then at the same time they're gonna love bomb you and they're gonna build themselves up as the hero in the situation look all your people have left you but i'm still here i love you and look at all these things i'm doing for you um mm -hmm. They're going to control, they're going to start controlling what you read and, and what you listen to. They want to control the, the information and the outlets that, that you put your time and your energy to. They're going to start controlling um, who their partner sees, who they talk to, what they do, where they go, 
Um, it could even go so far as telling their partner how to think, how to act, how to dress, etc. They're just going to slowly start controlling, you know, every aspect of your interaction with the world. And in the extreme, they're going to move you to another location that's away from your support system. This could be across town, this could be in another county, this could be in a state. In the most extreme cases I've heard, they'll move to another country. But the whole point is to get you away from your support system so that you have no one to help you get out. So, um, Steph, what about that, like, what do you remember of, of those intimidation tactics? Like what happened with you and, <laughs> and Voldemort? God, that's fun to say. <laughs> Isn't that fun to say? Yeah. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Sorry, I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Mine's the Dark Lord. So. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my, my escape plan and leaving with my my life is still very new right. so um i'm at, i'm at a i'm not even at a year yet. not even mm -hmm. i'm close to i'm i'm at a year for my escape plan mm -hmm. but i'm not at a year of leaving yet ha have yeah. that under my belt so like my way of coping is humor <laughs> yeah sarcasm it is a coping yeah. skill. It very, it very much is. If you can laugh, then you you disconnect from the heavy, heavy emotion. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's was... okay because this is a this is an uncomfortable topic. It's hard, and we deep dive into the feelings at other times. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. all good. Mm -hmm. um, There's not a lot of times where I can say, "Oh wow, this is not." like where I'm in control of the situation and like this is mm -hmm. well that's how you take that's how we take our control back is through little things because we've lost so much control in this process and when you first get it back it, you're, you're terrified to lose it again so yeah mm -hmm. those, those little coping skills they're ways of keeping control of us I dare say we as uh, survivors actually feel like our our abusers chose us because we were already groomed and we were already um, somebody who they knew they could manipulate easier that didn't have a good sense of self that didn't have um, a good sense of centeredness, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you wonder how they know that about us. Oh, I was wondered how do they figure that out? I mean, consciously, do they do that? Do they pick? It's part of manipulation mm -hmm. um, because they manipulate everything in their lives mm -hmm. in order to extract what they want out of life instead mm -hmm. of learning their lessons and taking it on the chin like they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, oh. It's a very narcissistic, egoic approach. And so they look at a person and they can pinpoint different things about them right away. Hmm. And they I, can read people like an empath can. I think it has to do, uh, I mean, and we're talking about the, the statistic that if, if you have been a, a childhood trauma survivor, it is very likely 
to fall into a domestic abuse relationship because until we recognize the patterns and the beliefs that we've learned about ourselves, we're gonna easily fall into relationships with people who maintain those same cycles because we haven't healed it yet. And I think what makes it easier is that we have already been groomed and we have already been harmed. And so we have those maladaptive victim effects that we use to survive because we haven't learned any better. And for someone who's looking for that, it's, I think it would be easy mm -hmm. to pick up on if they're looking for that type of, of person. Um, but so isolation and, and possessiveness uh steph how did you experience isolation and possessiveness sure um mine was uh more of a manipulation um because when i met Voldemort, i let him know right away that my social life was very important to me mm -hmm. um that my friends were very important to me and they had seen me through some hardships in life and I felt like my friends were my chosen family mm -hmm. um I already came from a dysfunctional family and had some toxic stuff going on when Voldemort met me so I was already on shaky ground um <clears throat> the isolation started after we were married mm -hmm. um it began with little things like him having me lie for him to cover up things that he did. Um, and that would isolate me by making us have a secret mm -hmm. and him having to rely on me to cover for him for things mm -hmm. or to defend him. Mm -hmm. And he created a very us against the world kind of scenario. And then after the marriage, he said that it was because we were married that I needed to include him in everything in my social life and that we would attend things as a couple. And even with my friends, if I had girlfriends to hang out with, they had to come over. I couldn't go out. He would control the money. So I couldn't, um, I, It got to the point where he stopped working. So he was with me all the time so he could monitor everything I did. Mm -hmm. um, I was never alone at home. He would make me go with him places, no matter what it was, even if it was like the stupidest little errand, he was like, no, you have to go. Um, and I would go because I was afraid of the temper tantrums that would ensue if I, if I didn't, because I didn't want my children to see them. Yep. So it was either neglect your kids or uh, actively abuse them. There was no other choice. And at that point he had isolated me so much that I had lost friendships. Mm -hmm. I had lost family relationships. Um, and then the friends that did hold on I only saw as a couple, mm -hmm. I just, I didn't have the ability to see friends away from him. And it, it ended when I got therapy 
and he insisted on sitting into my therapy appointment and my therapist saw the red flag mm -hmm. and, and was like, ah, that's a red flag and started talking to me. Mm -hmm. Do you see how, do you see how he was controlling the narrative by net? You're not alone with your girlfriends. Therefore I'm going to control what you talk about because mm -hmm. you have to talk about it in front of me. And mm -hmm. with therapy, the same, that's the same behavior. You're not going right. to tell the therapist our deep, dark secrets. Those are our problems, not. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Um, and it got to the point where he would use jealousy. Like you said, Megan, he would use jealousy and possessiveness as like, oh, this is how much I love you. Even though like mm -hmm. I would have friendships with men that he didn't approve of quote unquote even though i wasn't doing anything wrong at all it was completely platonic mm -hmm. and i even was like you can see everything i'm talking about in in text you know like mm -hmm. this is not and um he punched a hole in the wall to intimidate me to let me know that you know there will be consequences for my actions if i keep it up yeah mm -hmm. Um, for me, uh, it started, well, I mean, isolate, isolation was very easy to put in place for me because when I met Sauron, <laughs> when I met Sauron, I did not have my own car and he lived about, um, an hour from where my family was living. And so um, uh, he would have me over to stay and, you know, I was there until he could take me home. Um, and one of the things, uh, one, one of the things that happened really early on was um, he didn't want me because at the time we were living, he was living in this little um, mobile home park and um, he told me that the the neighbors were were dangerous and that they would hurt me if they found me outside alone. And so, and then he also he also said, you know, and my manager doesn't know you're here. I'll get evicted if if she knows you're here. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, 24, 24 year old me was just like, okay, uh, makes sense. I've lived in nasty neighborhoods. I really don't want to get roughed up by someone, you know, so I'll mm -hmm. stay inside. Um, later on, it became um, like, cause I, I was very, I was very social too. I was very involved with my family. I had my, my friends, um, you know, back home that I, I used to want to spend a lot of time with, or they would want to come out and, and, and see me. And it was, um, because of uh, his um, issues that, that he, you know, some personal issues that he had. Well, I just, I get anxious spending time around people and, it, and it's really overwhelming. I don't want to spend time around people because it makes me so anxious. And, and you know, being an anxious person myself, I was like, okay, you know, I get that. And it, it was also about, well, I just want to spend time just us. Like, I don't feel like we're getting enough us time. And I was like, okay, I, I can get that. But then it was, um, you know, I'd call my mom on the phone and talk to her every morning while I was 
you know, eating breakfast or, or drinking my hot chocolate or, you know, whatever I was doing at the time. And it was, well, uh, you're, you know, why, why do you talk to her every day? That's so clingy. I don't like clingy <laughs> women. And I'm like, that's a normal mother. Is that weird? Like, I didn't know that was weird. He's like, I, mm -hmm. my sister doesn't talk to my mom that often. This person I know this, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and anytime that I did go to hang out with friends, I was constantly barraged with text messages, with calls. Mm -hmm. I, you know, yes. um, I went to spend a week with my sister um, in, in, in down south when she was living down there and he didn't want me to go because he didn't want me to go, be gone for a whole week and like, you know, it's too expensive and then my sister offered to pay for everything and I was like, please, babe, my sister and I have had a hard time. This is going to be a really good bonding moment for us. Like we, we need this time to rebuild right. our relationship and he finally did let me go, but it was so awkward because I had to be on Skype with him all the time so that yeah. he could at least be in the room. And mm -hmm. it made things very awkward and, and, and very difficult. And, um, Megan, can um, I interject something? Yeah. Um, I also, um, I still do this to this day and I know it's conditioning. I don't know if you do this too. Um, I still put my cell phone on the table wherever i'm at face down ready to be answered on the first ring mm -hmm. because that's how i was conditioned anytime i was away from him and when i was visiting family i'd get a barrage of calls and texts the whole time so i couldn't even settle in to visit with anyone yeah, i do yeah. I do put my phone face down still if I'm just having a hard day and I'm like, I didn't, you know, because uh, the sound of my phone going off for, you know, ringing notifications, text messages, it, I still do get that sense of anxiety sometimes. But I will say that um, the, the, the longer that I've been out of it, the more that that's not as much the case like unless i'm having a hard day and something's really going on i don't jump when my phone goes off anymore um uh i lost my train of thought <laughs> i'm sorry well okay. you know what i'll say though um i have a big uh reason to celebrate um because you were talking about travel mm -hmm. and that was something that I was always invited to go with girlfriends on girls trips and I never was allowed mm -hmm. to go even though it was my own money um I was always told if you go you'll come back to a divorce yeah which do me some favors please um but <laughs> yes yeah. um but in the last month I went from, well, in this year, actually, I went from not going anywhere except where I could drive to, even though I loved, I wanted to fly so bad, mm -hmm. um, to, I've been now this year to eight different states That's cool. in the United States. And I've flown several places and I did it on my own and I made my dreams happen and didn't let anybody tell me I can't do it. And that's the life that's possible. 
that's the last yeah. that's possible when you realize that you deserve more and you, you find a way to get out. I remember what I was going to say now. Um, he actually did move us out into the country outside of town where there weren't a whole lot of neighbors. And once we got there, um, that's when things started getting really bad because all of a sudden there wasn't anybody listening. Um, one last thing is I, I had a friend that um, moved out of state to Nevada. <clears throat> And um, I was really close with her um, and she would come back to California to visit all the time because she had family here. And every time she was coming in, she was like, we're going to be here on this day, you know, come and meet us, come have lunch with us, come hang out with everyone. And I kept having to say, I can't make it because anytime I brought it up, things got insane and scary in the house. And so I just knew that it wasn't a good idea to ask to go. And so I would just make up excuses and make up excuses. And I, I lost that friendship because she got angry at me for not making the effort to come and see her. And I never got to explain to her, you don't understand this is what was going on. I was in danger. If I'd, if I'd have tried to walk mm -hmm. out of that door, I'd have gotten my head knocked off, you know? Yeah. So, um, mom? what what it, how did you experience isolation and possessiveness uh, you know the, the if you first, experienced it not everybody experiences oh goodness, it all, i did but. i did it, it was um who are you talking to why you're spending too much time on the phone yeah. um if i was on the computer that was a that was an issue anything that directed my attention away from him mm -hmm. was an issue um, and the very first domestic violence relationship I got into, I was only 17 years old mm -hmm. and my family ended up actually extracting me mm -hmm. in a group. They showed up in force and my, my bags were packed in within an hour and I was gone and it was really a blessing. Um, I kind of jumped from the frying pan into the fire on that one, but uh, the, there was so much control, uh, what scripture book I was supposed to be reading that day, um, whether or not I could drink Mountain Dew, um, I must got hit in the face on that one. Um, it, it was, um, contention you know always contention with my sisters always there's always a problem so that you don't put your family together with him mm -hmm. you know, or your best friends together with him because mm -hmm. he hates them and you know <clears throat> you know that doing that is going to create more conflict so you avoid mm -hmm. and you and and you push your family and your friends away in the beginning and this is an, and this is interesting and this is kind of where i was going with the love bomb that comes in the beginning i would have my sisters or my best friends say we lose you when you're when you meet this a new guy you know what i mean we lose you because they are all consuming mm -hmm. they are they are so busy oh, yeah. sleeping you off of your feet and you are so euphoric Mm -hmm. at finally receiving somebody finally gets me somebody finally understands oh, yeah. what i need 
Go ahead, Stephanie. Yes, um, the love bombing. I mean, as a as an empath and as a, a psychic, I feel the void a lot, and I have trauma from childhood. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of empty there that I didn't realize was my channel, and so I was always trying mm -hmm. to fill it. And mm -hmm. um, Voldemort was very good at the uh, compliments to the point of I was like, oh. <laughs> oh this is what i finally need right mm -hmm. this is right. this is what i need somebody to compliment me this much so i don't question mm -hmm. whether they want me or not because mm -hmm. i was so needing to be validated right. and needing to be loved and not seeing that there were other ways mm -hmm. around it or through it mm -hmm. and so i was like this is this is it okay i just need a so man to to make me feel like I'm completely possessed. Right. And I think that the isolation phase I'm sorry, out of that, that constant euphoria where you're together all the time, everything is wonderful, you're happy. So your friends and family can understand because, you, you know, and so you end up isolating in the beginning without even realizing you're doing it. Right. Because they are so... Uh, present in every moment mm -hmm. of what's going on in your life and so then it starts with the small pushing away it, mm -hmm. it gets uh, timing you to drive home from work what took you so long where did you go who were you with I mean it just the constant yeah and it, um, absolutely I agree with that yeah it's like you're so on a it, time, it's like you have a time card Oh, yeah, you you there, and they're checking the punches yeah. on that time card. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next Absolutely. one is um, minimizing denial and blame. Um, so abusers who are, I need to oil this chair, it's squeaky. <laughs> abusers who are using tactics of minimizing denial and blame will not take responsibility for their own actions, not take their partner's concerns seriously, um, make light of abuse or deny that abuse occurred, like, oh, I was only tickling you, or why do you think it was me? Why would you say that about me? Or people are going to think that you're making this up. Um, they'll make a jerk, uh, a jerk. <laughs> They'll make a joke. Well, they are jerks. They are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they make a joke. That's how you really feel, Megan. <laughs> right? Um, so they'll make a joke after hurting their partner. Um, they'll shift responsibility for the abuse to their partner. Mm -hmm. um, they'll say that their they'll partner caused the abuse. Or yeah. they'll act um, like the abuse is okay in the relationship and they might apologize for it but any apology is is not genuine because we know that if you're genuinely sorry for something and you're genuinely contrite and wanting to make amends you're gonna change but in this cycle it doesn't matter how many apologies you get nothing changes it continues to get worse so um mom I'm gonna throw you under the bus. First. <laughs> okay. How what what how did you experience um, minimizing denial and blame? Well, a lot of it was I'm joking. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're too sensitive. Mm-hmm. It was always, it was always reflected back at me. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it was my behavior. You, you know, um, even if, even if his behavior was cruel, um, it was my fault that I responded inappropriately mm-hmm. to his cruelty. And I got lots of, um, well, Captain Hook was a first responder. And so I know every time I say that. I'm sorry, so that's why we did it so things, it's great. Oh, <laughs> um, he would do things to control me in public, like, because he knew all the pressure points in the body. So if I wasn't behaving uh-huh. the way I'm expected to behave, then my knees suffered. I got squeezed and it was very painful and you just had to sit there mm-hmm. and pretend he wasn't lighting up the nerves in your knees. <laughs> I got squeeze prompted too. Yes. Did you? Yeah. So it's, yeah, the pinch, the squeeze, the, you know, it, it just, um, it, it, you know what, I'm going to have to, I forgot I'm going to have to take, go get the car for Lily. I mean, I have to go on the road on this one. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, okay anyways um it it was just always it was always about the control and escalating if i didn't do what he wanted Mm -hmm. then the control and his efforts escalated um and punishment you get punishment big time Mm -hmm. yeah it was always held up against the wall I got held up against the wall. I got choked. I got, you know. And then he'd redirect the blame on you. Oh, well, you know, if you hadn't done yeah, this, then I wouldn't have had to do this. Or, you know, the minimizing exactly. denial, the, oh, it's your fault, the blame. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the, and the abuse got worse. It got worse. It got rougher. It got more violent. It got sexual. Um, yeah. It, you know, and so, and, and again, it was always, I'm going to have to drive here, ladies, so. No worries. <laughs> well, we appreciate you having joined us, and, and if you need to uh, uh, go, we understand. <laughs> yeah, no worries. You can hang out on the phone. I, or I have, or... To take, I have to take my daughter-in-law back to work, so I have the car for the littles. So, I'm going to go just ahead. Mute, you can just, just mute yourself if you want to hang out. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll go ahead and just mute and join you guys in a minute, okay? Okay, sounds, sounds good. good. Right. Um, so I'll take the reins then. Um, Excellent. Or no, actually, it's your turn. It's my turn. Okay, I forgot what about did that. I-, I organized this like a lot. Okay, so minimizing denial and blame. Woo. Okay, so Voldemort was really good at minimizing to the point of almost gaslighting like it his route was always to tell me i'm either crazy broken or he would point out how normal he was and how strange i was because i was traumatized he did a lot of triangulation of us against others um to make me feel like he was my hero and he was saving me he really fed on the damsel in distress thing um and 
if I ever started in on him, it would start with the, the name calling and the name calling would be to bl put blame on me. Um, it would be like, if I wanted something like say a gift for Christmas even. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or, um, I remember one year I was like, you know, I, I, I bought cr Christmas presents and I said, you know, I got you this, I, I got you some presents under the tree. And then he was like, oh, well fine then. And he, he went out, got me gift cards, put them under the tree and said, there you go, princess. Is that what princess wants? Look at princess. You know, it was always, it was my fault for wanting normal things. Right. Um, if, if something happened, I was the person to blame and I took it on very easily the blame part because my parents had a horrible marriage and I watched them fight a lot as a child and I was the peacekeeper mm -hmm. and people pleaser. So as an adult, when he started these things, like I immediately went into my comfort zone of being the peacekeeper and the people pleaser right. to the point where I knew by the end of our seven year marriage, I knew how to answer to stay out of trouble, when to shut down, how to answer. Everything was very well rehearsed. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was not who you see now. I was definitely controlled. Um, and they use blame to control you. Yeah. They use, they use it because they know that you're your own worst enemy already. And they look for someone with low self-esteem yeah. because they know that they're more easy and easily manipulative manipulatable or blah <laughs> right because someone with high self-esteem is gonna go uh excuse me yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah and so you know for me it was i was so um just in the perfect place for him to get everything he wanted from me basically um but Behind closed doors, there was a lot of um, blame and grooming that people saw a little bit of, but they only saw the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. um, these guys do it a lot behind closed doors. Yes. So if your friends are telling you you're, you've got a great guy or whatever, and you're feeling like all of these are kind of lighting up on your list, honey, mm -hmm. <laughs> come yes. talk to us yeah. seriously yeah. or... or look up all of these things or look up one of our resources we're posting because you know what I lost friendships because people couldn't believe that this fantastic guy on the outside was doing all this behind closed doors can yeah. you hear me yes we can. yes okay um, I just wanted to I just wanted to jump in I actually went I'm driving I'm sorry I'm, I'm that nana that has to deliver kids and all um <laughs> I'm going all the time. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, one of the things that I did is I went to another officer that was very close, a couple, a, as a couple's friend. Um, and I explained what was going on. Now, understand, very few victims, it is rare 
that they that they give you the depth of the iceberg. So when they tell you what's happening, it's usually minimal compared oh, to what's yes. actually going on. So I went to I went and asked for help. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I you know, they went to to Captain Hook and um, told him, which he just of course said she's crazy and yeah, you know, right. this yeah. is for for me. This is what I have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that was it. It was shut down. So I didn't know. And I married very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and our religion had a, a huge part in our life, in our relationship. We built our family around, you know, our belief systems. And so it was more than just wanting to please him. Right. He was, you know, he was the patriarch in our family. And if I pleased him, I was pleasing God. And it's, and it's never, it's, it's never, it's very rare that it's just nobody, no outside, you know, factors, because I agree with you there. I had factors of, there were points where I didn't leave because of the kids. Yeah. Like, and, and because of his kids and I left because of of the kids. Yeah. And because I got out was my family. I, Mm -hmm. I, I had, I was so worried about what he would be like off leash without me controlling yes. the yes. situation. That's, and then that's when, rough. Our, when the oldest went no contact was finally mm-hmm. when I was like, okay, all of our kids have left. Mm-hmm. Everybody, right. you know, our secrets out, like what's left for me, you know, I'm either going to die here or I'm going to mm-hmm. leave with my life. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that it's I think that it's important to go back to that religious piece, too, and, and point out that your faith will be used against you. And absolutely. And, and it can be, it can be wielded will be used as a weapon. It can be wielded as a as a weapon to control mm-hmm. you. And but, um, you know, one of the things and, and I left I left um, my church for for years because because religion had been had been wielded as as a weapon and I felt so wounded by by God because I, I did have that that message yeah I'm, I'm supposed to be beholden but you, you you look up you know the way that the words were used at the time it was written and the teachings that are behind them and it's not that way men and women it's not just a wife beholden to the husband. They are supposed to be beholden to each other. There are promises to each other. You are equals. You lift up and you nurture each other. And when that's not happening, yeah. I mean, we, if, well, it's the same thing that I said in the blog post a while ago. If, you know, we're, we're taught to honor our mother and our fathers, but if they're not honoring us in return, we don't owe them anything. And that goes for a partner as well. Right. And a lot, of these, in your life. a lot of these tactics that we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about them primarily in romantic relationships right now, but you can see these same tactics and same patterns used in any type of intimate relation, familial, friend, romantic, you know, whatever it is. Um, for me, oh gosh, minimizing denial and blame. Holy moly. Um, 
it, yeah, it, it was, it was always, um, at, at the time, I thought I had a diagnosis of, of manic depression, learned later that mm -hmm. it, it didn't have bipolar, um, that it was actually just PTSD that I'd had forever, along with mm -hmm. some ADHD and some autism thrown in there, <laughs> you know? But, uh, nice little cocktail. I know, I've got a fabulous cocktail over here. But um, it started with, um, it started with uh, uh, his temper, you know, Sauron would um, lose his temper and, and, and the, the rages would, would start coming out. And th those started small at first too, and, and grew larger. But um, there was, uh, there, there were times when um he he would fly off the handle and get like violently rageful and then afterwards he was like well i have this condition and anger is one of the symptoms and you know i can't do anything about that so if you don't want me to be angry then you need to do whatever it takes not to make me angry because this is just wow. who i am and mm -hmm. Like I went online and I looked it up and it can be a symptom, but you know, young naive me, I was like, oh my gosh, it really is a symptom of it. And I know he has it. Cause I mean, it's one of those things that you- So you were have. trying to be, you were trying to be compassionate and understand that he has some disabilities going on. Right, and, because I um, have them too, you know. Everybody's struggling, gonna... the poor guy's struggling with his mm -hmm. outbursts of anger and yeah. Right. So but you had, it, he had it, an excuse. It, yeah, but it, it became a way. He had a certificate. Of, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah, it became a way. It, it was like, you know, this is your fault because I can't control this and you're making me angry or the, the kids are making me angry and, and you didn't handle it well enough in time, you know. Um, oh, that was. And when we would get into a fight, it, it was like, afterwards it was like well we fought that's that's just what fights look like and i'm like no yeah. no this isn't what like. it's supposed to look like you know yeah. so um i wanted but is to that what that. it's supposed to feel like no it's not it, this year has been the first year in 10 years that i have parented my children without complete control over how I'm parenting my children. Mm -hmm. Um, even though they're, they're adults now, it's still, I'm able to have an authentic relationship with them where nobody's lording over me going, don't say that. Mm -hmm. You can't right. say that. Don't say that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, don't parent like that. That's horrible. What the hell are you doing? Like it was always complete control mm -hmm. and I was unable to have authentic relationships with anyone. Right. because I was pushed down so far inside myself right you know it was like don't be Stephanie don't be Stephanie don't be but Stephanie. you're even alone in your own house yeah. surrounded by your family yeah and yeah. that's that's part of the denial the gaslighting everything yeah. because they mess with your reality mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. and so like my reality was this cocoon bubble of isolation and like trying mm -hmm. every day not to piss him off Mm -hmm. Right. Walking on eggshells every single day. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. What is the day going to bring? Right. If something happens, it's all your fault. (laughs) I recall one time I, um, and I was so happy that I journaled because had I not journaled these things, I don't know if I'd remember them because like, I'm looking back now and going, Oh my God, I remember that now, but I had blacked it out. Like I had Mm -hmm. completely blocked it. Mm -hmm. and um, I'm going through my journals going oh my god because he would Voldemort would push me down like he loved to push me and say that I tripped and like really was like oh it's just you Mm -hmm. um one time I had a kidney infection and he had a temper tantrum and he pushed me down my patio steps Mm -hmm. and when that happened he broke his finger because he did it so hard And then he started yelling at me to fix his finger because he broke his freaking finger. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to help you. You just pushed me. I have a kidney infection. I've been in the hospital. Right. You know, and, and he's like, that didn't happen. I didn't push you. I didn't push you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was blatant. It was blatant because the mind screwing is so, Oh yeah. Deep. Mm-hmm. And it gets so deep. to a point where you're like, did I, did I really perceive things incorrectly? Did it, did it really not happen this way? Did it, am, you, you I, question am I your making reality. things up? Yeah, you do. Yeah. I felt thoroughly crazy by the time well, it was done with me what, what happens what happens and i've experienced that the last relationship that i had is when i quit dating <laughs> i was like okay it is <laughs> i was like i'm done <laughs> oh girl my i was done my brother would just say your picker's broken hon anyway <laughs> anyway i um the last relationship that I got into that became, and, and I could not believe after 20 years of therapy that I would run out and choose someone sick again. And I did. And, um, but I was, but I had at that point in time in my life, um, mid forties, I had, uh, a, a pretty serious autoimmune dis, you know, disease. And so he learned to abuse me with my own health. Yes. He could make me sick. He could put me in the hospital. And when I was flat on my back, I was, he was absolutely in control of my life. Right. Oh, honey, I understand. And so it, yeah, there were times if it hadn't have been for my kids, you know, if it hadn't been for my kids, same. I, I would, yeah, because that was the only time, and I put all kinds of shame because I actually had to run. Yeah, he wouldn't leave my house, so I left. I yeah, stayed same. the night at a different house. I changed houses every twenty-four hours, yeah. and so I stayed. And I was trying to work and do on all my besties' this, couches. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. We, we, you know, and Megan, bless her heart. She went with me. I did. I I went and picked her up and I drug her from one friend's house to the next friend's house to the next friend's house to the next friend's house for Mm -hmm. days. 
we, we, we yeah. slept on what, like two weeks four? before we could get him out of my apartment yeah. after three months of trying to get him out, you know, so it was, and it was really dangerous. It got very dangerous. He had a gun. He threatened with a gun. It, it wouldn't, honestly. I was also threatened with a gun. It's yeah. the first time that I ever stood because if nobody, anybody that knows me knows how tenacious I am. And <laughs> that's a polite word, isn't it, Megan? Um, but it's genetic. It's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so ashamed that I had to step behind my son and allow my son to protect me. Yeah. I had to do the same, darling. I understand. It, yeah. So it was like, that was something I always tried to do. I, I was mom and dad for a lot, a lot of years. And so, it, you know, asked Megan, I, I showed up at the college one time, put my arm around one of her, uh, well, we won't call him a friend, but the, an associate, uh, because he got inappropriate with her. And oh, that dude. remember that, remember that? <laughs> and I walked him across the street and said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Young man, <laughs> if you go at my daughter again, I'm going to put my cowboy boot right up your rear end and you are going to get an old fashioned ass kicking. Leave her alone. But see, that's who I was. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm standing behind my daughter and I'm standing behind my son. And that was, uh, mm. that wasn't, that was hard. That was hard to do it's, to it's allow also, my children to do that. Right. But it's also easier for us to protect others than it is to protect oh, yes. ourselves. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. If I'm getting hurt, I'm good. But if my mm -hmm. kids are getting hurt, it's on. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that comes from uh, um, being trauma. a survivor of, of trauma. Yeah. Pleasing, yeah. low self-esteem, mm -hmm. low self-worth. Mm -hmm. You know, you fight for the ones that you love, but you don't fight for you because you've forgotten how to love yourself. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, it escalated. Like Lori said, mm -hmm. it escalated for me too. Like first mm -hmm. it was just him pushing me and, and, manipulation like emotional and verbal manipulation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it, it would escalate yeah. it got mm -hmm. to the point where he's screaming in my face and mm -hmm. i'm in the fetal position yes uh, it get to we're on hour three of him screaming at me and i'm stuck in the car because he won't let me out and i'm having panic attacks and disassociating going back and forth and trying to figure out like how to self-soothe <clears> while <throat> happening to me mm -hmm. and like the body it, by that point got chronically ill from the mm -hmm. abuse every day yes so like, i actually felt his words hitting my body mm -hmm. energetically like mm -hmm. if you think that they're just yelling ladies and gentlemen like whoever's doing this to you if you're feeling that being yelled at like that your body receives it the same mm -hmm. as being hit yes and, these and are, stored in your body in trauma like that yes. and it will be until you release it right so please know that just because you're not getting hit doesn't mean you're not getting hurt 
Right. And we're giving you the red flags this week and the next two weeks so that you have them, you can recognize them, you can start to work on getting yourself out and getting yourself past it or help a friend get out and get mm -hmm. past it. Um, our last, um, our, our last um, control tactic that we're going to do today is uh, privilege, status, and domination. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how to start the conversation about um, domestic violence, whether you're the victim or whether you're someone on the outside looking in. Um, so, Can I start with privilege? I would love to. Yeah, let me get through the thing. Yeah, and I, I was going to start privilege, but I'll hand the first one off to you. Okay. So, Thank you. Whew, here we go. So for abusers using tactics of privilege, status, and domination, they will treat their partner like a baby, like a piece of property, or a slave. They will be the master of the castle. They own everything. It's their house. You just live there. They will have expectations that no one can meet. They will make all the decisions. There is absolutely zero compromise. You, they will be the one to define the roles in your relationship. They will set all of the rules for the relationships and, you, and the victim will find themselves having to ask for permission for everything, mm -hmm. even basic human needs. Mm -hmm. uh, that was um, They will control, they will also control who their partner sees and who their partner spends time with because again that isolation factor they don't want anyone else's influence interfering with their power and control over their partner and for teens specifically because um these cycles do apply to, to teenage relationships as well for teens specifically this can show this can appear as um peer pressure where they'll be threatened they'll 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 be threatened that someone's going to expose their weakness or spread rumors about them or um or they'll have malicious lies told about them by an individual to their to their peer groups ah yes that's also a form of blackmail too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and a lot of wrestling and i just want to interject on the teen point wrestling and punching each other isn't play mm -mm. and and i saw a situation where it escalated from that to punching in the leg and there's a fist mark bruise on the leg that's not rough housing that's not i'm just joking that's not i'm playing yeah. that is physical abuse mm -hmm. under the mask yeah. yes i'm just playing and you should you know Yep. I tell my boys that all the time, hitting and kicking, yeah. making physical contact with someone that mm -hmm. is not playing. Now, if you guys are air sparring and playing ninjas and, you know, yeah, well, yeah. You knock one, you knock somebody like that's one thing. But when you're we, actually we just like, can them pool noodles. Yeah. Pool noodles, <laughs> pool yeah. noodles and put them in the yard. That's yeah. what we do. <laughs> the stuff, uh, yeah. privilege, status and domination. What was your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my experience was Voldemort was older than me, and he used that a lot to say that he knew more, experienced more in life than me, um, and would point out things 
um, to make me feel like I was younger, more naive. Um, it, it's part of isolation, but it's also part of privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, and what he would do is he would tell me since he met me because he knew I had a dysfunctional family, he would use that to his advantage Mm -hmm. and say things like, man, I had just a wonderful childhood and I had wonderful parents and er everything was great. I just don't know how, how you live like this with parents like this and family like this. God, mm-hmm. God, just all the time to make me mm-hmm. feel really crap mm-hmm. about where I came from. And he'd like, tell me about all these wonderful things he went through as a child. And I'm over here where I experienced hunger as a child. Mm-hmm. I experienced abuse. I experienced mm-hmm. divorce. I experienced mm-hmm. uh, uh, lots of child abuse in different forms Mm -hmm. um I saw things that I shouldn't have seen at a young age you know and um so he would he would make me feel like less than because of that he would always uh highlight how great everything was for himself Mm -hmm. and then it got to the point where that was part of the power and control okay because Mm -hmm. then once he's got me feeling less than, and I'm getting all my dopamine hits from him saying, oh, look how sexy you are. Look how beautiful you are. Right. And justifying me. Like that's all where I was getting it. And mm-hmm. to the point, you guys, the control was like this to the point of, I can safely say two years ago on this day, I was so controlled. I had to ask for permission to buy makeup at the grocery store when I was there with him because I was not allowed Mm -hmm. to even go to Target to get makeup. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to go to Ulta ever unless he took me. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen. Why do you think that was? Because he wanted, he was so afraid of losing me. And he told me all the time, he said, um, you can't go to the gym. Right. Because if you go to the gym, I'm going to lose you to a meathead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, always the fear that you're going to meet someone and leave. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And and so it was, it was ridiculous because it got to, he wanted to control the way I looked to people, what I wore. Yes. Um, a lot of my clothes uh, were either on a credit card or hand-me-downs. He never bought me a lick of clothing ever. It was always me buying my own clothing. I, I was told what I needed to get rid of. Um, when we, I was, when we I started was, dating, I was, my closet was groomed. I was told what to wear along the lines of like, you know, this is appropriate. This isn't appropriate. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be too outrageous trying to calm down my uh individuality mm-hmm. you know I like this um uh, like for instance telling me he liked blondes like look at me do I look like a blonde person <laughs> no come on no blondies here no and blondes for my, your chunks in my moments to please I tried to be a blonde it was so outrageous and did not work for me but it was very Stepford of me at the time and very representative of where I was at in my head. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. 
We've got a comment. Jennifer says they don't want you to grow as a person, and when you feel good, they tear it down. Exactly. Yes, they exactly. want all of your validation and all of your happiness and all of your good feelings to come from, come them. from them. Because if mm -hmm. you can feel good on your own, they don't have control. He mm -hmm. once uh, said to a bunch of friends, well, this was, this was often actually, he would humiliate me in front of my friends, mm -hmm. say horrible, outrageous things about my family, which they might, they, they were based in truth, but you don't just do that to someone, mm -hmm. but he would do that consistently so that I, I knew who was in control right. and mm -hmm. he was, who was, you know, he would make himself look great to everybody. Right. Right. And like yeah. I knew, oh yeah, shake everybody's hand at church, and then right. and then backhand you when you get home. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, everybody's slapping them on the back because they're wonderful men. Mm -hmm. Oh, we went we went on a camping trip with people who were our best friends. I now have lost those friends um, because they said I don't trust you because they didn't see anything because they didn't know. I mm -hmm. saw it. I was in the house when it happened yeah. once. Thank you. Well, we went on a camping trip and he was on his best behavior. The moment we got into our car and at, with everything packed up and around the corner, the screaming started. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, okay, here we go. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And um, they just, nobody saw it. I mean, you saw it, Megan, because you were a victim of it. And mm -hmm. I think... We I see saw with a lot different of it, Yeah, I, I saw a lot of Voldemort's behaviors because I was around a lot because, I mean, you and I, we do our thing where we keep each other sane. And, and just like just All like right. some of my friends, I refused to be chased away. I was like, no, this is my sister right. and I am not letting him go. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I, I saw, I saw a lot and I, even I missed some red flags. I missed a lot of red flags on it because he was very good at manipulating. We make excuses for the red flags, especially in the beginning of the relationship. And mm -hmm. that's where I went wrong. I justified red flags away. I thought I had been involved in counseling and all of the things that I, that I was learning and exposing myself to that I had a better understanding. And so I came at those red flags, more compassionate. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, you know, and I shouldn't have, Yeah, it, it was, the, and it was later on that, you know, you go, oh my gosh, it was all right there. But because you are so love bombed, you yeah. overlook those red flags in the beginning. And that's, and that's, mm -hmm. you because know, they love you and you love them. And that's the thing is you do love, you do them. love them genuinely yeah. would not be there right. if at some point in time you were not in love with right. them. And that makes it harder because you remember that you love them. We've got another and you comment. Know what? Matt says, uh, well done like ladies. Oh, Sorry yeah. for all you've been through. Proud of you for soldiering through it all. One more thing, Steph, and then I'll throw my bit in and then we're going to Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to say for us who survived and the, the perceptions that we get to have or, or 
yeah, perceptions, I want to say, and perspective that we get to have on the other side of this is that we see our patterns as well that got us where we were, but also that we could break free from. Right. And um, one of my favorite movies, and this is so basic of me that's why I'm, I'm drinking on my basic witch cup today um, but <laughs> is, oh witch it. please right <laughs> so yes honey okay so anyway one of the things is that oh man I just lost okay eat pray love is one of my favorite movies I thought that's mm-hmm. what you were gonna say that was a good movie and there's this play and she's talking about herself and this is something I used to do and I stopped doing it after my divorce. If I love you, you can have everything I own. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And I will give you qualities that you didn't even know you had. Nobody else knew you had, but I just gave them to you because mm-hmm. I want you to be part of this love affair that I've made up in my head, this romantic mm-hmm. notion of the damsel in distress being saved by the hero and how my whole life here we are and we're just gonna run up to each other on a beach and I'm gonna love you until until everything's right somehow. And I knew that about myself. Mm -hmm. And when I got into the relationship I'm in now with the partner I'm in with now, Mm -hmm. I almost love bombed him because because it's what i that's the pattern you're used to in love that's what you learned right right and so i had to stop myself because we're trying to find an even happy healthy keel Uh instead of fluffing each other's feathers and 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 being like oh look at you you know you know very Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like it's like calm down Mm -hmm. it's okay Uh but I noticed that pattern in myself and it, I was able to calibrate my actions and my reactions mm-hmm. to a more even keel where I'm not coming from scarcity mindset right. or right. desperation mindset. Right. Right. And I, I think that hero seeking like drive in us I think a lot of us experience that until we come to re- to the realization that there is no hero that's going to save ourselves. Right. We are, we the, are hero. the hero. And if we, we don't step up for ourselves and start healing and facing the shadows and doing whatever it takes to reclaim who we were supposed to be and what our life could look like, but it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of strength and sometimes it takes a while for us to get to that point but when we do our whole perspective of the world changes because then all of a sudden it's the evidence look how far i've gotten myself i really am enough right and and i'd like to add on to that also that um learning and crashing and burning the way that i did last year and mm-hmm. dealing with every- oh I see him I know here Hi, buddy. He <laughs> so cute okay so anyway um crashing and burning the way that I did and really like dealing with all the hard truths and and mm-hmm. and 
dying and re rebirthing myself basically mm-hmm. i learned that i'm talking to all of you right now this is a big one my loves this is your life you are living it right now there's no waiting for somebody else to come save you you are the only person who can save yourself and you have it inside you and your children Yep. Please, God, get your kids out. For yourself or for your kids, do it. But understand, the things that you want for yourself and in your life is not too big. There is no dream too big. Mm -hmm. This is your life. You need to choose your life and you need to choose yourself. And you can do it. Because none of these MFers out here are going to chase your dreams and love your dreams mm-hmm. like you love your dreams and need to chase your dreams it's, it, everything that you want in life is on the other side of fear that is such a corny cliche but i love it it's, it's true not. my corny cliche is our only real limitation is our belief in our own potential mm-hmm. yeah or our belief in our own limits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so let mm-hmm. me do my part of uh privilege status and domination real quick and then we'll jump into how to start the conversation um so for me it, i mean the the king of the castle thing it it started right away um one of my um languages of love has always been uh, service acts of service and um he Aaron was not a tidy person. (laughs) It was was gross. And um, so I was like, okay, well, he's a working dad. He's, you know, maybe he just doesn't have time. So I started cleaning for him and and he was real appreciative at first, but he wanted things done in in a specific way. And one of the ways that the abuse started was if I folded the towels wrong, I got screamed, hollered, cussed, belittled, put down, threatened, intimidated, grabbed by the arm. If the dishes were done the way he wanted them to be done, um, you know, if the laundry wasn't folded the right way, just just little things like that. Yeah. And, and, um, and I got a lot of I got a lot of tearful phone calls during that time, and I would go out there and we would try to tack it together, and she would just be crying just just crying it was overwhelming i i couldn't keep Sorry. up with it and at the time i was getting sick and I, I you know i know now that i have fibromyalgia but at the time i didn't understand you know what was going on and my doctors were trying to figure it out and um but it was also like it, it was that concept of the house is his but i live in it because i wasn't allowed to have any art that I liked on the walls. I wasn't allowed to have any of my trinkets or or my special things out. I had like one little teeny tiny corner in my room where I could put stuff. And he put my posters on the ceiling of our bedroom so he didn't have to see them. It was exactly, Mm -hmm. you know, the reason why. And, um, you know, there was no compromise. There, 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 there was no, um, you know, I, I didn't get a, a say in, in anything. And even, even my 
faith was under attack. Um, you know, he, he was of the opinion that Christians were just evil, bloodthirsty murderers. And if I believed in Christ, then I was a bloodthirsty, murdering, awful, horrible human being too. So I wasn't even allowed um, to talk about to talk about my faith. And I did have to get permission for everything. I had to get permission to go to the doctor. I had to get permission to take a prescription. He wouldn't let me take antidepressants because he said that they would um, reduce my sex drive. So I wasn't allowed to have antidepressant, antidepressants and um, access to medical care, go to doctors alone, you know, any, any of that stuff. And, uh, and, and, and again, it, it all fell back to, you know, the, the isolation and, and not really knowing any better at the time. And, and then the manipulation tactics of, well, if you could just do this, but again, his reason, his expectations were completely unreasonable. How am I supposed to keep up with this when, when, you know, it's all on me and, and it was, it was insane. It, it got it got really hard and uh, it happened with the kids too when when the children when when they didn't meet expectations they they would get the behavior and then there's me stepping in to distract him while their older brother took the girls and hid in the room and i took the aggression on myself so that they could escape it it was you know the, the nightmare you know nightmare circumstance and it and it just got worse from there. I mean, and we'll talk, we'll talk about, you know, just exactly how it got worse next week, because again, we're doing this, you know, in, in progression of severity. Um, so the next part um, that we were going to talk about was um, how to start the conversation. And the first, the first point that I really thought we should address was why victims stay. I mean, we've oh. talked a lot about that today. I mean, everything that we've talked about talked about today, and everything the the other um, traits, the abusive um, tactics on the mm -hmm. power and control wheel that we're going to be continuing to talk about in the next two episodes, those are the reasons why we stay because they make it so unsafe for us to leave. And I remember like going to your house and staying for a week, mom, and trying to tell you, but there were so many rules and and so many consequences that I was mm -hmm. trying to describe what was going on without flat out saying what was going right. on. Because right. in the back of my mind, I'm like, if he hears that I said something like this, I'm, I'm gonna get mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. And he was very scared of our family. <laughs> yeah. With good reason. He was very scared of our And family. you know what? A abusers are usually cowards, too. Like, you won't they see are. them lift a hand to a man. It's usually, you know, they're going to, well, especially a male abuser, in my, in my experience, is they're more afraid of the men, but they'll take it out on the women. Or they'll even align themselves with women socially because they can manipulate the situation easier right um because women were very forgiving in our social situations right yes 
And and again, the signs don't always pop up overnight. They emerge slowly and intensify as the relationship grows and as the relationship goes on. And there is that honeymoon phase in the beginning where everything is just wonderful and and then um, they, they they also pull on your uh sense of duty um uh, once right. you're already married uh for me anyway you know it was like oh crap i took vows mm-hmm. um i was also coerced into getting married um i didn't want to get married actually and um i had always said that i was like i'm never getting married and if i am it'll be when gay marriage is legal at least it, for me as a moral thing mm-hmm. and i did wait until that but uh Voldemort was like look we're dating and I'm dating for marriage so either you marry me or I move on and meet somebody else because I'm wonderful and I will meet someone yeah and that was how it was presented to me as an ultimatum right and then on the day that we get married he tells everybody about our bedroom situation and Mm -hmm. about things that are happening in our bedroom at the wedding Mm -hmm. right he needed the pat on the back uh it it was to humiliate me Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that because humiliation is a part of emotional abuse that's Mm I think that's the third episode. What one are we on again? I'm sorry. I oh, it's a- okay. We're talking about why victim, victims stay. But no, but you're on yeah, topic because you're right. I mean, on top of the fear and, and the power and there's control. There's beautiful feelings. There's ultimatums that they give you. Right. Uh, well, there's the normalization of abuse. Especially if you're a trauma survivor, it's familiar. And also. Let's not forget, ladies, yeah. that we did love them. That's what I was going to say. These are not strangers. These are the people who are supposed to be the safest for us and our partners. Exactly. Right. And so it's very hard, very hard when you, when you, and I did, I genuinely loved my husband. I genuinely loved my family. Same. I went through everything, counseling, everything I could think of to stay same i've i've had i had two different uh counselors mm-hmm. tell me get a divorce mm-hmm. i did too i i was told six months and if he hasn't changed it in six months he never will and, you and i stayed Brett was five for, months old right and i stayed five years after i was yeah. told to leave. yeah right. no, i understand i do and it, but you know so it's just anybody that's out there listening we understand this is somebody that you love very deeply right. and we understand this is so difficult because many of us have um it's not just ourselves it's our kids i didn't know what i was supposed to do i was so naive i had a job when we met i was barely you know barely 18 years old um and and when we married and I and I had the kids I quit working so I could stay home so I was a homemaker and you know so I felt I I I didn't really I didn't really know about resources and we'll get into that at later discussions but I did not have any idea 
um, that there were resources to help me get out. So once I figured out that I could go to social services and there were resources, I could get my own apartment, I could get food for my kids, I could get, and you know, and it, it's, it's, it's a process. It's a process. Right. So the next part is, I mean, when you recognize that this is happening, either to yourself or to someone that you care about, what do you do about it? And honestly, the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be communication. The, the victim needs someone to be able to talk to. And sometimes it's difficult because, you know, through the isolation factor, communicating with others outside the relationship can become, um, you know, can become very difficult to establish, especially a space where you can have that kind of conversation. So a lot of times they are going to be vague about the details. Uh, come up with code words. Come up with mm -hmm. code words that they can also use to talk about certain acts. Also, make sure you're in a place where where they feel safe enough to talk. Right. It needs to be alone, away from uh, the the abuser. It needs to be away from everybody and let them know how safe they are to talk and that it won't be repeated. Mm -hmm. You know, like they can, they can confide in you because I know when I was getting my exit plan ready, I confided in Megan, some things, not even all mm -hmm. of it. I told her the very tip of the iceberg, right. but what helped But I was, knew enough that I was to encourage me to get back in therapy and, I mean, and I knew I enough that I was watching and I was able to intervene and give you help when I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. uh, for victims, I mean, honestly, my strongest piece of advice is find someone, be it a friend, be it a family member, be it a therapist, be it a clergy member, find someone that you can safely communicate to and confide what is what is going on so that you have someone listening to you have someone that that can and help you correct and reframe your perspective of things. And if you're the person that's listening, I have a list here from um, from the hotline.org that we're going to go over real quickly with what to do because your first instinct is going to be to save them and push them to you need to get out you need to get out you need to get out that's not always helpful because remember and that might not that might not work because yeah. that gives them more anxiety because they're right. already so afraid right and, and know they have to get out at a base level um but it wasn't until a gun was involved in my abuse that I realized I needed to get out with my life and uh, yeah. we are in denial a lot as as uh, victims because we don't see ourselves as a victim you know and especially if you're reactionary at, towards the end, which we get that way because we're like wait I need to get stronger I need to stand up to this person this is not okay there might be you know some of that and that's why you're telling someone mm -hmm. um, so remember, 
that. And, under, and understand sometimes extractions are necessary. I was extracted at 17. My family showed up in force. A gun was, a gun was, you know, involved, like you said, Steph. And I called my mom after work, you know, cause mm -hmm. I got off work at nine o'clock. I worked at this little pharmacy and, and, um, so when, you know, I called and said, okay, I need help. I can't get out. Mm -hmm. She showed up with my brother, my uncle, and two of my sisters. And mm -hmm. that was it. They yeah. walked in in force. And it took the panic and the fear down for me because I had an extraction team. And we can talk about how to plan your exit if you need to be extracted those are the most dangerous situations and extraction is often necessary and and that is we are you know um at, at the, in part three um we we, we are going to talk about exit plans yeah late we'll go yeah that's vital exit plans are are vital and also um your your care plan afterwards Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's a big 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 a good big point that i can i have a lot to share yeah yeah. Uh, you so, know, I, and so I have a lot of tools in my belt for that one. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we've only got uh, 20 minutes on our left on our live feed, ladies. So we need to do this and, <laughs> and do our wrap up. Um, so if, if you're if, if you're if your friend or your family member approaches you and talks about the abuse, the first thing that you need to do is you need to acknowledge that they're in mm -hmm. a difficult and a scary situation they need that acknowledgement because, yes. because of the grooming and the isolation yes. and the control and the manipulation and the denial they're going to be questioning themselves is it really this bad yes mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. really that bad i see mm -hmm. that you are so scared and i see that mm -hmm. the situation is so difficult validate them they need it because someone saying no you're not crazy this is really happening that's oh gosh, yeah. bolster the courage that they need to leave so mm -hmm. instead of saying you need to leave you need to leave you need to leave you're right that is so scary that is such a difficult situation what can i do for you how can exactly I exactly because a lot of times i was told just leave yeah, just leave mm -hmm. was all you know. And it's never that easy. It was never, never that, that easy. easy. No, the it's next like okay, I'm gonna just leave, but I got, you know. Yeah, I got. They already isolated you. Mm -hmm. I got yeah. yeah. So you yeah, and for me, I was an hour away from everyone I knew. So you know, it mm -hmm. took some yeah. Um, the next item is be supportive and 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 listen like. Um, they're going to tell you what they can. And again, they're not going to give you everything because a lot of the times there's disassociation, there's suppression, there's fear, there's control yeah. programming. There's gonna huge shame. From giving you all the details. Shame. Listen yeah. to what they do share um, so that they can start coming out of that isolation and out of that programming and start remembering and 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 don't force them into decisions help them you know support their decisions mm -hmm. that they make on their own the most important thing is to just be there and do not allow yourself to be driven away also exactly be non-judgmental be non 
because that judgmentalism is what they're getting from their offender. Yeah. And if you apply judgment to the conversation where they're confiding shut these them things down. in you, they're gonna shut down and they're gonna stop talking and then they've you've lost the opportunity to help them get out. Um, and remember that you can not rescue them. You can help them, you can support them, you can help them put together their safety plan, their exit plan, their, you can help them, but you cannot do it for them. They have to do it themselves. They just can help empower them with resources, but just make sure you're there and empowering them. And, and yeah, the next step is help them develop a safety plan, help them develop an exit plan. And we're gonna be talking about this in a couple of weeks. Um, and encourage and also oh i'm sorry go ahead there's two more um encourage them to participate in activities with friends and family try yes. to encourage them as much as possible to stay connected to their social group try to support them in trying to stay connected because their offender is going to be trying to disconnect them well so he's not going to want to go to tries to help those connections stay in place so that they do have a safety system to, or a support system to pull them out later mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the last one is encourage them to talk to people who can offer further help find a find a, a social worker find a therapy find a a, a clergy member uh, somebody help them try to find connections and encourage them. And, and I did that with you, Steph. I was like, you should, why don't you, you know, are you, are you, are you ready to think about coming to program with me? Maybe you should see another therapist, like mm -hmm. just, just trying to be that, that constant support. And if you put all of these tactics in place, then you're going to become the safe space that they can run to, to mm -hmm. rest, and feel safety and start gathering that strength and start gathering that courage to do something for themselves and save themselves and their families. I honestly didn't feel any kind of safety um, until months later mm -hmm. in my home. Mm -hmm. um, it took a long time to even feel safe in my own body because mm -hmm. I was in such shock, like, uh, mm -hmm. with my, I have CPTSD after all of it. And, um, my body was literally shaking the whole time I was leaving him. And I shook for actually mm -hmm. like about the last three months of the relationship, um, of the marriage, because I, I knew I needed to get out and I didn't feel safe. And I just was like a shell of a person. I remember that mm -hmm. and I recall that. And so if you, if you're talking to your friend and they're not acting like themselves and they're just kind of, you know, you can see it, you'll see it and um, know that whatever they're saying or doing right now, they're not really themselves if they're in an active DV situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because I lost people who said, well, now I don't trust you. Right. Yeah. And God bless them for never having gone through the kind of situation I had to go through yeah. <laughs> for yeah. them to think that that's something that they can't trust, yeah. you know, that they don't understand of what they're looking at. Yeah. Right. Um, but we do. And because of that, my direct messages are open if you need to talk to clergy, which would yes. be myself. 
-hmm. I am an ordained minister. Um, and I am here for you. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if you are in a bad situation and you need to talk to someone who's been there, you can direct message me and we can talk. Right. I am here. Myself as well. I am a life coach. I, I, I also have a, a ministry license. I mean, if you're in trouble, you can reach out. It doesn't matter if you don't know me. I will talk to you. I will give you resources. If Yeah, definitely reach out. I mean, that's honestly the entire reason that we're doing this is because we were in that hopeless place and mm -hmm. we got out and we've mm -hmm. learned so much since then and we know that there are people that are still in that hopeless place and sometimes yes. it just takes one person yeah i i recall being on my bathroom floor in tears googling the things that he did to me mm -hmm. and every time it would come up domestic, domestic abuse hotline mm -hmm. yep and um, i would clear my history so he didn't see it because i was afraid of what would happen after that you know right. because he would go through my phone i didn't have mm -hmm. privacy mm -hmm. um and like if i had just one person who i thought i could come confess to even just just bleh, lay it all out there yes mm -hmm. i yes. mean it would have been amazing and we are those people mm -hmm. guys that's right so if you need to lay it all out there, I don't care what it is. I'm not going to blame you. I'm no. not going to uh, hold you accountable for anything. I'm just going to listen. That's it. Because, because I needed we somebody understand. to listen. We yep. understand on every level. We understand. Yep. And, they're done and here's what <laughs> there's that, you know, anybody that is anybody that is in your life, that is your support system do not allow them to be driven away you grab their hand you hang on tight because you're gonna need that mm -hmm. if i didn't and have my sister again i wouldn't it's have made hope. it through yeah it's it's offering hope and that's what a lot of us needed was hope that it would be okay if we got out hope that we could make it if we got out hope that we would survive it you know mm -hmm. and it's never too late even no, if you've never. already been fully isolated, if you haven't talked to your best friend in a year, call her and say, hey, this is yeah. what's going on. I'm in trouble. I need it's amazing yeah. who I reconnected with too after my divorce friends that I lost that it mm -hmm. was just, they couldn't handle being around the abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. they can see it. Mm -hmm. They can see it and we can't, so. Mm-hmm. So um, other resources that you can check out, um, thehotline.org, that's where I got a lot of today's information, as well as some other pieces that I had from my therapists and clinicians and other research that I've done. Um, but thehotline.org has, um, you know, you first go on the website and they pop up with a warning that reminds you, delete your, delete your browser history because mm -hmm. browser history leaves. Um, a trail a trail thank you <laughs> but um they also you know when you're on their web page there's this big red a uh, big red x in the top right corner and they tell you that if you if someone comes into the room that you hit that red x and it shuts the website down and it just goes back to your basic home screen 
on your browser like you were never there you were never there so they have safety features built into the website they monitor which pages that you're looking at to make sure you know if someone's looking at it because they need help then you know they want to make sure that they're keeping a record of that um but uh they also have the domestic abuse hotline on their web page it's uh 1-800-799-SAFE 7233 there's also a um a text line that you can talk with someone on mm -hmm. um, by texting the word start to 88788 and they've got lots of great information about um signs of domestic abuse, how to start the conversation, how to help someone, where to find resources, how to get out exactly. safely. Um, so I would definitely go, I would definitely recommend that you go on the website and look around. I'm going to link um, several pages, you know, where we got the information um, that we talked about today. And next week, um, next week, we're going to be talking about three more aspects um, of traits from the power and control wheel. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about economic abuse. We're going to ta be talking mm -hmm. about intimidation tactics or control through fear. And we're also going to be talking about threats and coercion, what it looks like, what it looks like for each of us individually. And mm -hmm. um, we're also going to be talking about how to support a victim of domestic abuse as they're getting out and as they're recovering like what does it look like how do you support your survivor family member or or, mm -hmm. your, or your survivor friend and we'll talk a little bit about our experiences of trying to work through the aftermath of, mm -hmm. of getting out and and looking around you and going oh okay i gotta rebuild exactly. seriously rebuild here exactly but um, and the resources the resources yeah. are you do not understand darlings the resources i i went into a shelter with my with uh, one of my best friends and <clears throat> i went into a shelter with her because she couldn't go into a, a shelter without someone to take care of the kids while she works so i went in and uh, I was there for two weeks. I was blown away. It was a normal house. It was nothing like I had envisioned, you know, the the shelter with rows and rows of beds. It's not like that. It's a normal house. They're very nice. They're very comfortable. There's families there. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your own room, you have your own privacy and all of the resources are amazing from that point on, they will help you get into your own house. They will help you hide and be safe. Mm -hmm. They will help you with the legalities. It's just, there are resources, right. so many resources. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So with that, <laughs> I will, um, I will pull our card for today. And um, remember guys that you can follow um steph and i on facebook TikTok, and instagram please feel free to reach out with any comments with any questions with any absolutely with any content that you'd like us to add in or cover in in future episodes and please 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 you know share this i mean the whole reason that we're doing this is we're trying to get this information out because it can help 
so many people. So if you feel inclined, if, if you have a if you have a friend or a family member that you think really needs to hear some of the things that we talked about today, or 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 um, you know that would really benefit from it, then please pass it on because that's I mean that's absolutely. And you can also find my services, uh, my healing sessions. I also offer. Uh, spiritual guidance sessions um and everything under the sun that you and would she's expect amazing yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that you would expect from your uh, uh regular neighborhood witch you know um so <laughs> you can find me at the gypsy um i'll put a link below on our posts um but you know there's help there's hope we love you. You are loved. And you're we not do. alone. You're not alone. No, you're not alone. <laughs> All right. I'm so proud of you girls. You're so sweet. Ah, uh, we you. love you. I've got to be a mama for a minute and just uh, pluck, no, you know? no, no. <laughs> All right. Here's girls. our card for today. Okay, let's my heart is open to freely expressing love nice love. one yeah love is the key we've got to love each other we've got to be willing to grow and heal and and change and, with each other and and there's so much love just waiting to fill you up from the universe on the other side you just of have to, yep you just have to open yourself up for it i promise it's coming mm -hmm. yep and you already right. have all all Wow, I can't talk. All of our love. So. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Hope everyone has a great day. We'll see yes. you next week with part two of part our two. domestic abuse and the power and control cycle. Bye, guys. Have a great week. I'll see you girls later. All right. Bye. Thank you for having me. I love Thank you guys. You're so welcome. Thank you for coming. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye.